Christ below us, Christ before us, Christ behind us, Christ beside us, Christ be with us. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I have a really deep theological question, and it's really a question about stewardship, too. Does anyone near here know how to get tickets to see Alexander Hamilton? <laughs> Has anyone been to see Hamilton? No kidding, really? I know Ben has, because he's a history teacher. Um, yeah, so I've had a song stuck in my head from Alexander Hamilton, because I'm a musical theater dude from way back, and uh, listen to a lot of musical theater. And it's sung by the wonderful Leslie Odom, Jr., and it's called In the Room Where It Happens. Now, don't worry, we're not going to show a film clip or bring out dancers, and I'm not going to sing it right now. But it has this this line. He says, I want to be in the room where it happens. He was in the room where it happens. And so at this moment, um, Aaron Burr, played by Leslie Odom Jr., is starting to butt heads with Alexander Hamilton. And Hamilton, in this version of the history, is having dinner with powerful people like Jefferson and Madison and, and, and trying to push things through and get things through, you know, is a good politician that Burr cares very deeply about, but Burr is being excluded from all of these dinners. He is not in the room where it happens. And in fact, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote it like this. He said, and I'm just reading it right now because I turned 50 in September. I can't memorize rap lyrics. We dream of a brand new start, but we dream in the dark for the most part. Dark is a tomb where it happens. I want to be in the room where it happens, he says. So Burr is kept out of the room. And Burr uh, cares very deeply about the formation of this country and his own ambition. And so he wants to be in the room during all of the argument and conflict and hashing out of the democratic experiment. And the people in the room don't want to bring this person into the room. And none of them really want to make room and be the room to allow that kind of person in. And so today, um, we get a picture from Jesus of what happens when we are uh, trying to do something as audacious as live out the gospel of Christ. We've had... For several weeks, you know, some wonderful uh, anxiety scriptures. In fact, they call 11 and 12 the anxiety discourse. So next time you feel anxious, read Luke 11 and 12, but you might want to stop at 1249. Because it takes a little turn, doesn't it? He says, I come to bring division and to set family against family. Now, to put this into context... Um, One, yes, these are the most harsh things that Jesus says in the gospel. So this is about as harsh as it gets today, right? But to put it into context, for Jesus to say that uh, anything would cause conflict in family was huge to that mind, to the Mediterranean mind, because there was no conflict in family. In the family, the father, the patriarch, was God. And so what he said was the law, and what he said was not only that, but God's word. In fact, in Roman culture, you could be put to death for disobeying your father. So teenagers, 
Listen up. Yeah. And so for Jesus to say, wait a minute. I know I've been telling you all not to be afraid, and don't be afraid, but carry that peace with you into what promises to be a fiery future with my gospel. And so Jesus here says that we all need to be in the room where it happens to take the gospel into those places where it is most needed. He says that we need to get people into that room and that we need to be that room. And he says at the end of all that, that is not going to be easy. And you know, we... uh, we do a really good job of setting ourselves a brave face here at All Saints. Um, and we are all in the room where it happens right now, aren't we? We're sitting on this uh, many little crossroads and many junctions in our parish life, having um, focus groups and surveys and intense discussions about ten times a day. Wonderful, you wonderful people come up and want to know if I'm okay. I'm great. I'm wonderful. I love being here. I love my work. I love these kids. I love all y'all. Um, and, and you ask me a second question, which is, you're not leaving, are you? And I always like to, I always like to call myself the last surviving member of the whore administration. But, but you know, behind that question are some very serious things that are taking place as we all sit in the room where it's happening, right? Where this great change is happening among us, where the Spirit is moving. And it's a question about, um, are you going to leave me? It's a question about abandonment, which is something that we're all afraid of on a primal level. And, you know, at this place, we put on a really brave face. We, we, in the finest of Anglican traditions, we we keep very calm and we move on. And we have. We've had two huge departures at this place. And, you know, I have a hunch, as we all sit together in this room where it's happening, that we're all a lot sadder and grief-stricken than we always let on. So know that as we sit in the room where it happens, these things are going to come out. And sometimes it might come out in, in, in... in the guise of of conflict over some seemingly trivial thing or an argument over some huge theological or philosophical matter. But Jesus tells us today that when we are trying to live out the integrity of the gospel, this is going to happen and not to be shocked and still not to be afraid. And one of the difficult uh, tasks that we have set before us as we face the future is that we also have to face how we are going to get everyone in the room with us. As you are in a focus group, or as you're filling out a survey, or as you're having these conversations, how are we going to speak for the the voiceless, the people who are not here, the people who sit on the margins, the people who are not a part of the power structure or leadership of the church? How are we going to get them in the room? How are we going to continue making this church a church where everyone is present, on Sunday morning especially, and on other times. We've done a great job of that in the past. 
haven't we? We have, we have threads. We have our wonderful refugee ministries. We have created a huge welcome for adolescents here. How are we going to continue getting everyone in the room? And, you know, most importantly, as we are in the room and as we watch new people coming into the room, how are we going to be that room? Jesus has given us a lot of good instruction on this in the last couple of weeks. We've gotten good words from Mandy and Noel about, and from Martha about not being afraid and about um, taking this active gospel out into the world. And Jesus gave us a great clue on how to be the room, didn't he? By not being afraid, by letting go of our anxiety and our preconceptions. And I think within that we can read um, something that I think is sacramental work of the church. It's something we've missed out on, I think, and that we miss out on when we start to get into our discussions and our arguments and our inevitable conflicts that are sometimes positive. You know, I don't know about you, but every four years, I get to choose a side and argue with people about politics a lot, this political season especially, and regardless of where you sit on either side, what do you notice about political conversations? Well, you sit and you argue and you bandy about facts, and, 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 there, and there's infinite facts, and then both people leave the conversation relatively unchanged with their points of view, uh, maybe even a little bit more you know, ossified and, and set, a little more firmly on the right or left. But you know, we are called to more than this from the gospel of Christ. See, Jesus calls us to what I, I, I think is, is a type of holy curiosity about the other that sits across the table from us in the room where it's happening. As somebody presents their strong point of view, their passion about something, their reaction about something, their anger, their distrust, or their joy, we are called not to judge that joy or that anger or that emotion or that point of view, but we're called to be curious about it and to ask questions of the other. You know, I love to get in religious arguments with fundamentalist Christians. It's kind of a hobby of mine, actually. But you know, what, what I've learned lately is that, you know, like political arguments, they, they, they really don't do much. But what's been really interesting is to sit with my, my dear friend who is a, a very right-wing Calvinist and to ask him a lot of questions and ask him his story and get him to tell me about the seminary where he attended and his family. And within that theology and within that point of view, there are some deeply woven things where God is present, even in that other who is so different from me. So at the end of this gospel, Jesus gets very harsh. And he even calls people names. He says, you hypocrites. And he says, you know, don't you see what's about to happen? Jesus is turned towards Jerusalem. He is oriented towards this future. And of course, since we know the story, he is going to this place where he is going to at first be welcomed like a conquering hero. But very quickly, the crowd will turn on him because of this gospel of love that he carries, this integrity that he lives out. This gospel of love and compassion and absolute nonviolence towards the other. Maybe even 
holy curiosity about the other even unto the end. The good news here, though, is we know how the story ends, don't we? We do. It ends in resurrection. See, this holy gospel of love is met with all this resistance from people who know that they are right. From the Romans and, and from the religious folks, and it doesn't mix well with them. And they try to kill this absolute integrity and this love, and they fail miserably. So see, we're given a wonderful pattern, a wonderful example, a wonderful assurance here, even in these harsh words, friends, that nothing, nothing can stop this kind of love. So we are called to holy and sacramental work, to be in the room, to get people in the room, and to be the room. Well, and we're, you're also called to the holy and sacramental work of getting me Hamilton tickets. Amen.